Welcome everyone to Pen Pen Pals for a new season, a new series. I'm Alex. Hi, this is Blixa. And this time we are going to be covering Steins Gate, uh, <laughs> uh, a, I guess, time travel thriller. Ben is running a little late, but he should be with us for part of the episode. But in the meantime, please welcome one of our favorite guests, a friend of the show, Hayden. Hey, Pen Pen Pals. Hey, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. I continue to remain honored that I get to come back, especially <laughs> as I see so many great guests come on uh, throughout each season. Aww. Have you have you kept up with us? Yes, I did not finish the last season, but I watched all the way or listened all the way through for Darlings in the Frank. Oh, that's awesome. No, oh, that makes me feel great. <laughs> OK, so, yeah, that's what we've been doing. We did other series. We did uh, Barefoot Gen last. Uh, uh, I'm doing a side thing on uh, the enemies of Sekiro with another uh, creator I found, which is pretty fun. But let's check in with you. What what's going on with you? Have you watched any anime you love? Is, is your life changing for the better? My life is definitely changing for the better. Um, well, what I'm watching now is I'm kind of actually just going through and catching up on Boruto, Naruto, the next generation. Mm. It has finally turned out to be better and like following more of Naruto than it is Boruto. Uh-huh. Mm. But I'm enjoying that and enjoying kind of the news release as uh the next like the time skip manga is being released and it's being received really really well and so people are very excited for the anime adaptation when that comes out nice so walk me through that so naruto is the original series and Mm. then baruto is a time skip up from that yeah so naruto starts when he's like i don't know 13 or something okay and then there's naruto shibuden which is a time skip and follows naruto i think it's like three or four years And then Boruto follows his son, which is like a 10 year skip, but includes all of your favorite characters from the original series. And Mm. then there's going to be a time skip that then shifts the show more to Boruto. um, And that is being released in manga right now. So Naruto had a kid and named him Boruto. Yeah, it's crazy how many characters cannot put that together. (laughs) All right. Uh, it just to me sounds like what are you going to name your son uh, uh, Boruto God, <laughs> yep that's what we're going with well that's cool I'm glad you're enjoying it I heard there was some mixed feelings in the fan base about Boruto as a whole but I assume that was mostly just because people wanted to focus on the characters they loved and this was like a new generation of heroes right yes definitely yeah it was mixed reception um, and as things went on people came around to it um I think it's also hard to just let go of such a deep kind of lore that you might as well just keep following along. People mm. change their mind a bit. Yeah, that's kind of the the Neil Gaiman f- uh, phenomenon. Like he did something like Sandman was really successful. And then the publishers just wanted him to keep doing Sandman 2, Sandman 3. Mm-hmm. Gosh, there's so many fandoms that are like that. Like Star Trek, each new mm. installation is hated initially. And then like a new generation comes around. Oh, yeah. Like, look at, um, you know, one of the biggest of our time, George Lucas. Yeah. After he created Star Wars, he was like, oh, I want to do this other film. And people were like, shut up and get back to Star Wars. (laughs) 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 You know, he has his problems, too. But like, he's always been like a progressive filmmaker. And so he really got stuck Mm -hmm. in that uh, 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 rut of uh, only making one series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's a lesson to all of us, right? Don't support a series, support a creator because they're yeah. the ones that it comes out of. Definitely. That's funny that you mentioned Lucas. Like, I know that he's done a lot, 
It's mm-hmm. so hard for me to think of anything else that Star Wars over. It's like Raiders of the Lost Ark was Lucas, right? Oh, was that Spielberg? Uh, Willow is Lucas. Oh, yeah. I think there's a film called, I think it's called Red Tails, which is about an all black uh, fighter pilot squadron. Mm. Um, and American Graffiti was his too, which is a quite critically acclaimed film. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that he was attached to all those. Yeah. Pretty neat guy. Um, and st- <laughs> from what I heard, a little less egotistic uh, in his early days. And Star Wars really, you know, made him think he was like king of the castle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Blixa, are we anything we want to... Uh, catch up with with you we don't have to just wanted to make the space gosh i've really been out of the anime loop for a while i have a lot of friends that have been roping me into the star trek world so Ah. i've been like deeply submersed in star trek well we can become a star trek podcast we just have to have a penguin in there somewhere (laughs) (laughs) Uh, if only there were a star trek anime i know there's that um 80s Star Trek cartoon, but and there's a more recent cartoon I think called like Lower Decks, which is all oh yeah yeah yeah. Mm. Uh, that, I saw some of that. That's cute. Are there any cool crossovers between Star Trek lore and anime lore? Uh, the only crossover I saw that I thought was really fun was a X Men Star Trek crossover. X Men. Whoa. Oh, was it like with the Star Jammers in space? No, it's with the actual X Men, and it's one of those mirror universe things. I think it's like like young adult, young readers novels. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, today we're gonna watch uh, Steins Gate episodes one and two and discuss them. Uh, uh, I have a couple of pieces of information about them, not a whole lot. But before we uh, uh, get into them, does anybody have a history already? Like I saw it once back in the day. I watched a couple episodes. I wasn't into it, and someone told me, "Well." Just see it through halfway. And if it's not interesting at all, then give it up. But like, there's a lot of, you know, pieces of intrigue that don't come to fruition until a few episodes in. And I did. And uh, uh, when I finished it, I wasn't upset that I had watched it. Uh, It still wasn't like my favorite thing ever. Mm. This came out in what? 2010? Yeah, somewhere around then. And I watched it pretty close to it coming out within a couple of years. So it's got to be like, you know, 12 years for me at this point. So I remember a couple of characters and that's about it. Mm. I saw it in 2018. Uh, it was a part of my like uh, return to the world of anime and a mentor that I really trusted recommended mm. Steinsgate. And um, well, I mean, we'll see in a few minutes here. I was really confused. There were a lot of WTF moments that mm. sort of tickled my curiosity. Mm-hmm. And I think I just marathoned through the whole thing. Wow. An easy series to do so because of those little like, well, they got to explain this in the next episode. (laughs) What about you, Hayden? Have you seen it before? I have not. My experience just goes as deep as Wikipedia does. Okay. All I know is that there was a sequel series uh, that came out later Mm -hmm. and it was received well and won awards. So I was very excited to be be turned on to it and to begin by being forced to watch it. And I'm sure (laughs) I will watch it all on my own. That's our scheme. That's how we propagate. Uh, Yeah, there was a sequel series, which I have not checked out. Uh, This is actually the second in an installment of uh, visual novels. Mm. Uh, That's how it got its start on like the PS3, Xbox 360 era. It started with something called uh, Chaos Head. uh, And then it has a sequel too called Robotics Notes, um, which I didn't look too far into. I should at some point. But they all have the same title 
uh, little flourish, which is they use a semicolon between the two words for whatever reason. Yes. <laughs> so I looked at, I tried to look at the, the like just the Wikipedia page and look through and, and to do a couple links in. Um, and I found a couple of people who had some connections to stuff we had done in the past. So there's two directors listed. One of them is Takuya Sato, uh, who did uh, storyboarding for at least one episode of uh, Serial Experiments Lane, mm, and then also mm. did a script for Princess Tutu, which we haven't watched, <laughs> but I think came up while we were uh, discussing uh, Madoka, Madoka Magica. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's one other director listed, Hiroshi Hamasaki, who had done key animation in Made in Abyss, oh. key animation Perfect Blue, uh, storyboarding oh. for March Comes In on... Uh, like a lion, oh, wow. mm-hmm. storyboarding, key animation, and an episode directorship in Paranoia Agent. Oh, uh, Space Dandy, Techno oh. Vampire Hunter D two thousand, and check <laughs> this out. It works with our, our theme today because uh, you're wearing a shirt for it. Uh, Macross, do you remember Love? He no was a key way! For that, wow, what an impressive resume. Yeah, so it's got some real industry tops DNA going into it. Definitely. Um, and then the writer is, is listed as Juki Hanada. And uh, the only credits I recognize there were Slayers and Ah My Goddess, mm. uh, which like I have no experience with, but I know that those were big names, mm-hmm. uh, especially like Slayers in the 90s was like the uh, anime, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So yeah, so it uh, started as a visual novel and visual novels are kind of like choose your own adventure books, right? You know, the characters, the stills of the characters pop up and they give you dialogue, stuff like that, right? Mm. I don't really have much experience with it. Uh, Have either of you experienced a visual novel? No. I think the closest thing is PlayStation for a while was doing like Telltale series and there was Mm. one with Batman, there was one with Borderlands, whereas it was kind of like a little bit like branching paths, uh, but it was all like kind of like dialogue uh, selections. Yeah, that that sounds familiar. Like, uh, uh, so I imagine that the Telltale things they come out of this, and they try to gamify it a little bit. Like, aren't there like some quick time events, things like that? Yeah, button mashing okay. or timing it. Yeah, definitely. So, but it's very much a there is a story, but you make you generally inhabit one of the characters and you make choices that will get you to different outcomes. So there's high replay or re-readability for it. Yes. Well, that's pretty cool. Um, I'm I'm hoping that we can find a way to play it and I can convince one of my co-hosts to play it. For the, <laughs> I'd be uh, down for that. That, that would be fun. fun. Fantastic. So it's set in uh, 2010, which is pretty close to when it actually came out. Um, and we follow Rintaro Okabe, who is the self-proclaimed leader of the Future Gadget Laboratory, um, <laughs> which is basically just an apartment filled with his friends who mm-hmm. either are actually interested in the sciences or just think he's neat. So they hang around and it will make references to this real life Internet meme hoax, John Teeter, which I hopefully mm. we'll get into that. The studio that ran it is White Fox, which, again, I'd never heard of them. The only other thing that was a big name I recognized was Goblin Slayer, which I've heard bad things about. (laughs) But uh, this is very different from Goblin Slayer. We won't get any of that um, gore or or trauma, I don't think. Yeah. (laughs) I was just going to ask. So we always ask if anyone has any experience with this anime, and we covered that. Mm -hmm. But what about anime that are centered on like hard sci-fi. Do either of you have any experience with that? 
Oh, there is that one that we considered and I still is on my short list. It's like Planetes or Planeteers or something. It's mm. about garbage collectors in space. Mm. <laughs> you know, anytime that there's a collision in space, it's not as easy as just picking up the pieces because they scatter and they yeah. just float around. And any one little piece hit at enough speed by a spaceship could punch a hole in it. Yeah. Um, so that that looked pretty fascinating. But I that's about as far as I've gone. What about you? No, I think maybe like Steinsgate, maybe Psychopaths are about the extent of the anime that really gets sci-fi to that classic level. So the follow-up question is, do either of you have any experience with time travel? Oh, personally? Like watching time travel or time traveling? <laughs> if you're at liberty to say. Uh, Ooh. I do not, but I've heard tell of fantastical results uh, stemming from transcendental meditation or heavy drug use. Okay. What What about you, Blixa? Have you done any time travel? I have not, unfortunately. It's on the list. But um, <laughs> I, I do have some familiarity with John Titor. Uh, so once we get into that, I'll be able to share what limited knowledge I have about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, then we can watch this and then we can talk about it. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for anybody watching along at home, I think you can find it on uh, Crunchyroll, Hulu through Crunchyroll and uh, uh, <laughs> Okay, cool. I've got it queued up. I do too. Uh, everybody ready? I'm ready. Uh-huh. Awesome. Let's go. Three, two, one, play. What do you think of his habit of talking to no one on a cell phone? <laughs> I, I can't get a read on this guy. Like, is he really kind of off or does he just have a shtick that he likes to play? I think he has a shtick that he likes to play, but he's so far into it. It's like an addiction, I think. Like, he does it in places where he really shouldn't. Mm. Like when he's right in front of someone and they can see that there's nothing on the cell phone, you know, mm. that kind of stuff. Like a method actor who sort of loses themselves. Yeah. Um, And like, I don't really like him so far, but I do like the presentation because a lot of mad scientists are like way too competent. Mm. And I like that he's kind of, you know, it is a lot of bravado. Yes. Mm -hmm. So the energy feels very Doctor Who to me, like um, Mm. maybe Matt Smith. No, 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 no. Uh, David Tennant, Doctor Who? Yes. Oh, yeah? Yes. Okay. I could see David Tennant playing this character yeah. in live action. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if you said, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. <laughs> Is that Christopher Sabat? Who? One of the voice actors? Yeah. It was the voice of the pawn shop owner. Yeah. Wow. Good ear. Oh, my gosh. Christopher Sabat for Braun. Mr. Braun. That's funny because he kind of looks like Mr. Clean. Yes. Yeah. Because like the brawny man isn't bald. No, yeah, but he is that big, stocky. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's funny. Christopher Sabat looks a lot like him. Yes, he does. I gotta say, Oak Green is doing pretty good for as many weird things have happened in just this episode. <laughs> yeah, and maybe you know that uh, uh, demeanor, his like the show he's putting on, the bravado. Mm. Maybe that's because he does deal with a lot of weird things, and that's his way of compensating. <laughs> Trying to project to everyone else that he knows what's going on to convince himself that it's it's all going to be okay. So by my count, there would be he pushed the button 
on the cell phone mm-hmm. and sort of teleported himself uh, through time. I guess something like that. I think it's designed to be disorienting. Mm. But even before he meets this woman who's going to die, mm-hmm. it keeps cutting back and forth. Like, when were they on the roof in the beginning? Mm-hmm. Right. Because they were on the roof and they didn't see that thing. So did they go up to the roof, come back down, then the crash happened and they he went back up to the roof? Like, it's all just, you know, kind of discombobulated. Wibbly yeah. wobbly as this. Yeah, it is. It is. It yes, is wibbly yes. wobbly. So like... The satellite obviously did not crash from orbit. Like it looks like it fell from maybe 20 feet. Yeah. Or just teleported into that yeah. part of it. Like, uh, yeah, it, yeah. Because if it had gone from orbit, there would be no building. Right. right Even right. if the capsule itself survived. Then the banana thing is weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Finding a dead body is very upsetting. Um, having flashes of your friend like in different situations is weird. Like in a, in a graveyard specifically. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he also like when he sees the body, he sends a text. And I thought that was a very strange decision because like he didn't like notify anyone like the authorities. And, you know, he doesn't know what kind of DNA he's leaving at the scene. I thought it was a very strange thing for him to bolt and then send this text to a friend of his, which if it was discovered could be you know an implication that he knew something that he was somehow implicated in the murder itself yeah so what do we what do we make of this guy so far is he rick sanchez is he a hyper competent asshole or or is there a show being put on here uh i mean it seems like he can make things that actually do something it can at least turn bananas into green jelly yeah yeah and i feel like you know, these these first few episodes that we're discussing, it may be a little disjointed because we just don't have enough puzzle pieces to uh, yeah. make good predictions or put things together. Yeah. And of course, we can we've seen it before and Ben has seen it before, but it's been so long that it's hard to even get into spoilers, too, because I can't remember the connections between all of these characters. Yeah. 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 But what I'm wondering right off the bat is so they have this microwave that ruins bananas in a weird way. But is it the microwave thing that's letting him send the text? Or is it, I thought, at least just watching this first episode, that the reason the text went back through time was because of the crash landing. Like the crash Mm. landing is some sort of other temporal thing happening. And him sending a text in the vicinity of it or something like that, that's what caused it to, you know, ripple backwards in time. Mm. Yeah, what a whirlwind of an episode. Yeah, it is. Um, there was one shot and it's right at the very beginning. I mentioned it while we were watching it, but just to make sure it gets into the podcast, uh, there is this shot of, um, Mayuri or Mayushi as she prefers. Wait, which one does she prefer? I think she, so she, uh, in the opening scene on the roof, she just has the shot where she, you know, like reaches up to the sun and Mm -hmm. it's got one of those beautiful hand on light source, uh, shots, which, uh, always enchant me. I just love it because especially at the beginning of a series, like we don't know what's about to happen, but we know nobody's going into this completely blind. I'm sure people think have been told like, oh, it's got something to do with time travel. It's got something to do with weird things happening. It's not just a slice of life thing. And so her reaching up to that to me was like inviting the divine, the mysterious Mm. into it. So like, 
you know, diegetically, I don't know what's causing these time fractures, but symbolically, I think it's almost her, like inviting <laughs> this into their world. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fun. Which to me would be a great, you know, sleight of hand that we are so focused on this mad scientist main character, mm. but the real magic is coming from the people around him. Yeah. Which I guess would fit with the visual novel origins of this, because you, I think when you're reading or playing the visual novel, I think you are Okabe. And so it would make sense for the other characters that you interact with to be the drivers of this. You know, it's not magic, but like this, this time travel, this technological wonder. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I feel about Okabe so far, but I do enjoy him embarrassing a popular scientist because <laughs> that guy, he had a pretty full classroom there to hear his lecture. Yeah. yeah. But he, at least the way he was drawn, he seemed like, you know, a like, stuffy old academic. He looked like Edison. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I like that. Who like That's between Edison and Tesla is the lesser inventor. Oh, and Tesla was like the mad science mm -hmm. one of them. Ah, yeah. Yes, yes, indeed. Okay, so I like, yeah, I definitely like him embarrassing this old fogey. Did either of you get a read on this this woman so far, this redhead? To me, she seems almost like, and maybe this is like drawing on the latent memories of watching before, but she almost feels like a foil to him. Someone who's more reserved, but is actually as confident and competent as he makes himself out to be. Yeah, yeah. Makise. Yeah. Which leads me to believe that since she's not dead by the end of the episode, that he will somehow fall in love with her. <laughs> mm. They do have interesting uh, similarities and contrasts in their appearance. Yeah. Okay. okay. So it's a bit disorienting because we move from scene to scene fairly swiftly and we don't get like time or place markers on a lot of stuff. So unless you're like, making a, a a timeline on a piece of paper. It's very hard to figure out what's happening exactly when. Uh, but when he first talks to the redheaded woman, she says, we were just talking 30 minutes ago. Yeah. And not only we, the audience are like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. I didn't get to see that. But he himself is also on our level being like, uh, are you okay? Did you hit your head? Yeah. As if he's never met her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, there's a similar thing when, uh, Okarin and Daru compare their text threads. Uh -huh. like mm -hmm. the, the timelines don't match up. Is that because of that that flash that he did when he t hit the button on his cell phone? Yeah, because he asserts at the end that that his text went back in time, which at least from the 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 hacker's perspective, it he does seem to confirm that. So. Sending the text back in time changed his timeline. And, and is that why reality changed around him when he hit the yeah, button? Yeah, I think that's why okay. she's not dead anymore. Okay. Uh, so instead of her dying, this thing got implanted or landed on the roof of the building. Yeah. Hmm. Which we'll go into it more in, I think, the next episode and especially as we go on. But fits with, it's funny because we're discrediting John Teeter. We're like, this was an internet hoax. You're yes. taking all of your theory from him. But it would, from the little I read, it would agree with John Teeter's assertions about time travel that you never travel back to the same timeline. The The act of traveling back or changing something diverts it to a new timeline. Right. So yeah, like him sending the text message back through time stopped her from being murdered, but also 
because of the other inconsistencies in the episode, are we in the original timeline? Right. Because he, she already said we were talking 30 minutes ago Mm -hmm. and he doesn't remember. So has he already done something to affect? Like, has he been experimenting with this banana eating microwave before (laughs) and he's already changed his own timeline? So the familiarity of the, the voice that was screaming, are there two Ocarines running around right now? Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. The scream that was coming from the room she was murdered in. Mm-hmm. Did the second Ocarine end up being the one that was killed? Oh, I see what you mean. That instead of her getting murdered, he gets murdered. And it's some sort of like, I don't know, scream heard throughout. The multiverse mm-hmm. kind of a thing. <laughs> I think uh, I think Edison did it. Mm. <laughs> well, he did have his goons murder a bunch of people. So he did. I wouldn't be surprised. So you you uh, uh, recognized one of the voices, Hayden, this uh, shop owner, the CRT shop owner, Braun. What, what was his name? The, the dub voice. The dub voice was uh, Christopher Sabat. Christopher Sabat. Now, do you know him from other works? Yes. He's your typical big guy, deep voice. Um, (laughs) You'll recognize him. He does Vegeta in Piccolo. He voices All Might in My Hero Academia. Uh He's in Black Clover uh, as one of the the captain of the Black Bulls. So he's often some type of heroic figure that uh, is in your very prolific shonen anime. But those are some huge names. Yes. It was so funny to hear him as a potential uh like one-off character of just the shop <laughs> just, owner. Just some shop owner. Yeah. <laughs> a far cry from uh the Superman of the series or the uh crown prince of another planet, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Crunchyroll does not give the option for uh the dub. Oh, that sucks. Okay, so you're watching the sub and we're watching the dub. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that there'll be much of a difference between them. No, it didn't seem like it. I don't have much more to say about this first episode. Again, it's interesting, at least intellectually, because if you like letting something wash over you and trying to put the pieces together as you're mm-hmm. watching it, there's a lot to consider. And 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 But again, just this early in the series, we really have no answers. Correct. So I guess I uh, forgot what you were saying about the origins of this show, Alex. It didn't come from a manga. It came from uh, a visual novel. Yeah, visual novel first. And then it was uh, uh, adapted into a manga. uh, And then I think this came out after that. Interesting. Any more thoughts on this episode before we queue up the next one? I personally feel like it's a good, strong first episode. Um, It it hooks me. Yes. uh, But. As I said, just because of the all the WTF moments. Well, then we can all be thankful that we're not doing only one episode today. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, okay, great. Okay, well, then when everybody has episode two queued up, we can start it. Episode two. All right, ready? Three, two, one, play. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, it's a fun episode. Wow. If if the first episode, you know, hit the ground running, this one just kept going. Mm-hmm. You know, the treadmill does not stop. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're happy to have Ben with us for the discussion of this episode. Say hello, Ben. Hey, sorry I was late. 
oh, you're fine. You put the outlines together for us. You turned us on to this series. We are just super happy to be together again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I missed it. I mean, what what is everyone's history? Has everyone watched this before? I have not watched this. Uh, Blix and I both watched it years ago. Blix, it was like five years ago, and I was like 10 or so years ago. Yeah. So I have vague little memories. What about you? I was trying to think probably like, yeah, like 2015 or something like that. Okay. Uh, and then I just rewatched it. And I'm actually starting in on the Steinsgate Zero. Um, oh. oh, is it a, a sequel? So it's a sequel, but it takes place between episodes 23 and 24. So they made oh, like an alternate 23. And, you know, because it's time travel, you can, <laughs> you can kind of do stuff like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Did you, was it huge for you when you first watched it? I, I remember really liking it. I remember being into it. Um, and then I forgot almost all of it. <laughs> so it's been fun kind of binging it and, and being like, oh yeah, that's what this was about. Okay. <laughs> that's cool. So you, you have a lot of answers in your head already that we, we haven't uh, put together yet. Yeah. I think, you know, I think you can notice there's some weird jumps that happen in episode mm. one. Yeah, like you have yeah. no idea what explains them, but I think you can be like something, something's probably going on there. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of, and I think you introduced me to this too, a movie called Primer. Mm. In that we we watch these in preparation, and then we just rewatch them uh, together. And so the second time watching through, you notice things. You're like, oh, that's already off it's already like showing some of its teeth primer was an indie film yeah yeah, yeah. a real good one if if, yeah. if people haven't uh, experienced it that would be my recommendation we can do that at the end <laughs> uh i did find some information on the name uh hyoin uh, kyoma mm. so hyoin is two different things ho means phoenix and the last part can mean institution temple mansion or school Okay. And then Kyoma uh, means villain, evil, bad luck, or disaster, like the first half of the kanji. The second Mm. is true reality or Buddhist sect. Mm. So it's a little bit of a a mystery of how you want that to uh, come together. Yeah. Yeah. So something about like the true villain of the Temple of the Phoenix. (laughs) I would guess like the rebirth of an institution. Hmm. And I don't know. Or the the true villain of this organization he keeps talking about. Yeah. And villain, maybe not in the like narrative sense, but more like the opposer. The opposer. Like the, yeah, like he's, he's trying to take down the old institution. Yeah. Or it could be in reference to like a cruel reality. At any rate, I'm sure it will reveal itself in time. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Yeah. But. Again, a lot of moving parts already. Indeed. We met uh, my favorite character, and I think it's she's still going to be my favorite character. This uh, this priestess in training, mm-hmm. who who we see training with a sword at first, and then also performs an exorcism on Okabe's right hand. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, Rukako. 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 Mm-hmm. Rukako. Um, pretty cool name, and she's. By the way that Okabe talks about her, uh, or doesn't talk about her, the way that Okabe considers her in in his head, I assume at this point in the story, she's trans, right? She's a trans femme. Yeah. So when when was this anime? When did it come out again? 2011. 2011. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to give it a free pass. Like, okay. I think we would all agree that it's a little clumsy and problematic. 
mm-hmm. but still positively portrayed. Uh-huh. 100%. So I, as a trans woman, didn't really even know what trans was up until a few years ago. <laughs> uh, and this is quite a bit older than that. Yeah. So, you know, like the internal dilemma that uh, uh, Ocarine has, obviously he likes her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, within trans spaces, there's a debate like, I am a woman, but am I male or female? Mm. Uh, because as we know, sex is also not binary. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's personal things that I won't share on this that would obscure how that question is answered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just think this character and probably the writers do the best with what they have at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, it, even if the his internal monologue right there is a little dated he immediately shows that this is a very special relationship Mm -hmm. because we've already seen him put on airs kind of, you know, talk to no one on his cell phone Mm -hmm. or put this big production into effect. But that's all been like for his own benefit. Yes. And now we see him go like, oh, my God, my hand is possessed. Like, I need you to help me. And that's more of a show for her benefit, right? So she can practice her exorcism or he's giving her encouragement on her uh, sword technique saying like, of course, the magical nature of the sword is about to uh, reveal itself to you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, humanizes went a long way to humanize him, especially in the first episode. I just thought he was a fucking asshole. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. But so he's a man of science and he's validating her spiritual worldview yeah that's pretty significant which maybe just speaks to his like yes he's a man of science but he's also like a counterculture science figure and maybe he's just like the world is large and strange and like i believe some pretty crazy things so why aren't other things possible yeah he's a mad scientist yeah i think we're seeing his soft spot though yeah definitely and it's in the bananas. Um. <laughs> I, I found it interesting in that scene. Uh, and I don't know if this holds any water, but it was just so interesting to see a scientific community taking donations from a religious community. Yeah. I mean, typically there's not a lot of interaction between those t- two communities, mm-hmm. but it is much easier to see religious communities more as leeches than as generosity givers mm-hmm. in maybe in a stereotypical sense. And so that was the kind of stood out to me as an inverse of, of something. Mm-hmm. So Rukako is a uh, priestess in training for this shrine. And it sounded like she lived with her father, who is the priest of the shrine. Is that pretty typical still in Japan where they have these shrines that it's kind of a small thing where one priest or with like one uh, apprentice keeps it up. Yeah. I mean, my own family is three generations of carpentry. Pretty cool. But yeah. And there's this, I don't know, this wonderful, it's so small, but this like kind of sense of community that the, that the shrine is receiving this uh, donation of this corn, but it gives along whatever it can't consume. Yeah. Like as an organization. Yeah. It is kind of cute. You know, it's like Ocarine and his crew, like, they are living off handouts. Like their yeah. budget is so tight, mm-hmm. you know, like they're agonizing over um, how many bananas are they going to use in this experiment? <laughs> yes. <laughs> because yeah. we need to eat. <laughs> yes. And it's interesting that uh, it seems to have kind of like a pay it forward mm. because Okurin gives one of these pieces of corn to someone that's never seen corn before. And it doesn't seem to be out of, she needs it, but just to indulge her curiosity. 
Mm-hmm. I guess they they never directly address it, but I guess Okuri and Daru both don't have jobs. They're That's just- what I was going to oh. ask about. Like, I got the impression that Daru was doing some supplementary work for their landlord, the mm, the maybe. repairman. Like maybe he's working as a hacker, but I don't know yeah. if Okurin is doing anything. So I think there's sort of that like out of education, employment, or training kind yeah. of neat people. Yeah. Uh. Wait. Wait. So wait. Ocarine might be the only one that's not bringing income in because like the girl works as a wait is on wait staff at the maid cafe. Oh, so her salary is probably paying for a lot of their stuff. I think so. Because she believes in them. Yeah. Huh. Well, that that gives a lot more significance to the first episode when she's broke and wants to buy this gotcha thing. Yeah. If if she's his main source of income, then he's broke too. Yeah. But he recognizes that and he's like, well, I do have a hundred yen piece. And like, it probably came from her in the first place. So yeah. why yeah. not spend it on uh, this thing? <laughs> and it's so interesting to be introduced to her as his assistant when it's potentially his patron. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's a lot of reversal of roles in this anime. Very, and like very play possibly, with- yes. That's cool. <laughs> wow. And we didn't discuss, uh, maybe now's the time to talk about it. The, the thing she gets out of the gotcha uh, uh, machine. What what are they called? Is Gachapon. Gachapon. Okay. So it's this little orb. It's like a cat or dog thing. Yeah. Is is that pretty common that there are really rare forms of these things? Uh-huh. So that like, oh, yeah. it's like doing a Gachapon machine is almost like gambling. Yeah, it's, it's like oh, the yeah. chase. It's a, it's a blind you know, you spin the wheel, you don't know what piece you're going to get. And out of a set, there's like a really rare piece. Interesting. Yeah. And she gets it, which like, again, just love that opening shot of her, which as we noted is in the intro. It's one of the images that flashes by with the song of, of her reaching up to the sun and kind of like beckoning this, I don't know, cosmic energy. And then she's the one who gets lucky with this gotcha pawn. But also like easy come, easy go. She loses it in the very same episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so uh, I almost wonder if she symbolically is like this conduit that like a lots of stuff is going to uh, flow through her mm. or like, you know, she's going to be in contact with a lot of things. But again, it will come. It will go as easily as it comes. Yeah, it's an interesting theory. We also met a new character in this, uh, Suzuha, mm-hmm. who Mr. Braun is looking for a part-time person to work on these CRT. I wasn't quite sure. Is that like just television repair or what um, is that? CRT is a type of monitor. The cathode ray tube. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just the old uh, style monitor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, which I guess would still have been a sizable portion of the market at this point, because nowadays we really are like into LEDs and things like that. We yeah. don't really see a lot of CRT stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Mr. Braun is working for this. And then just on the street out of nowhere, this young woman, this Suzuha is exactly what he's looking for. Someone who is an enthusiast who has experience and is willing to work whatever hours are available. Yeah. And also apparently poor needs this corn right from, <laughs> from Okabe. And she's never seen corn before. Yeah. What is that? What's that's weird, right? Mm-hmm. Cause that's like a ubiquitous plant in this state. It is. Yes. Okay. Yes. They got corn in Japan. Definitely. 
Uh, the bananas, I bet, were shipped in, but corn, I bet, is all still pretty locally grown. Uh, but yeah, corn, um, grilled corn with uh, soy sauce and meeting is a festival like street food favorite. It's good stuff. God, I want some right now. Me too. It so good. <laughs> okay, so she's exactly, she pops out of nowhere, but she's exactly what Braun needs. Uh, she's not the only new character. Oh, yeah. Who else do we meet? Uh, we have that mysterious stranger on the street. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, who is acting weird. Right. Yeah. So we didn't get a name for her yet, right? The woman on the street? I don't think so. Oh, her name showed up in the on text the or email that was sent. Yeah. The only thing I could get from her was maybe she's not a native Japanese speaker mm. or at least not a native Japanese reader because he shows her characters on his phone. And then she tries to type them in and gets something wrong. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's just like, you know, it's just like hard to spell people's names. Mm, okay. So her name is Moika Kiryu or Kiryu maybe. And yeah, I think she's just supposed to be like awkward and doesn't hear him right or something like that. Mm. And you said specifically when he tries to take her phone to type it in and she has this visceral reaction, use the word hypervigilant response, Blixa. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit? So Okarine like reaches for the phone and she freaks out and mm -hmm. uh, recoils and is shaking. And it was a response that's out of proportion, you know, and she starts breathing heavy. She seems disturbed and that doesn't really shock me just because the way we're introduced to her, like, what is she doing? She's chronicling her comings and goings to have proof mm. of what she's done. That's weird. Yeah. There's just so many little weird things that are happening in these episodes that aren't being questioned. I'm still hung up on the corn. <laughs> <laughs> corn and bananas all the way down. Mm -hmm. But this uh, kind of focus on edibles especially in this episode i mean we had the bananas in the last episode but now we have on top of bananas we have corn and we have this they go to this maid cafe mm -hmm. and uh we get this omelet you know it, it's just my symbolic brain working over time but like food especially organic food like that it's so temporal right like uh, you can watch it rotting in front of you unlike a lot of things which like you know prepared foods like uh, shelf-stable things. It's not the same. But here we have base things like an omelet, which is just eggs and that's prepared or or a banana or a, a corn. And it's almost like we're seeing time passing in front of us. So a, at least a very evocative image to include for me. Um, this came up in one of our early anime discussions like what is the significance of the cicadas? Mm. It's sort of like the cherry blossom. It's in reference to like the brevity and the cycle of life. Okay. In addition, just to the ubiquitous sound effects because of the season that they're in, mm -hmm. uh, the camera does show us cicadas. And I think there's a cicada in the opening credits as well. Yes. Are they an all summer thing or are they an end of summer kind of phenomenon? I think it's the end of summer. They're doing like the mating cycle thing. Mm. Yeah. I, th I think there's like one cicada in particular that's like the end of the summer cicada mm. um, i'm not sure if that's the one that you hear a bunch of times in the anime <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, maybe there's maybe there's a couple different types that you hear a lot in anime so mm. uh so mary or mayushi does work at this maid cafe and we assume that that's the apartment or the future gadget labs main source of income 
She also has a friend there, Ferris, who we didn't get much about except that maybe she thinks Okabe is cool too. Like I'm getting kind of harem or dating sim vibes, which maybe makes sense because it started as a a, a visual novel. So maybe a bunch of the different paths you take are like dating different characters Mm. as Okabe. Mm. But did anything stand out? to you about ferris except that obviously she's affecting like the cat demeanor for yeah the, um... i can't figure her out like i couldn't tell like she thinks the mad scientist thing is just a shtick and it's fun and she's <laughs> playing into that she, that has to be it right i think so yeah. and then like uh-huh. ocarine like plays along like she talks mm-hmm. about she's got this narrative of her master's death and she learned the forbidden move or whatever yeah yeah <laughs> Like he's kind of playful in that way or he's nuts. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I think he's just, I don't know. I think he's a very theatrical person. Mm -hmm. And when it's in the service of other people's interests, it's very positive, but there is a place that like when it's in the service of his own interests or his own like safety, Mm -hmm. it kind of comes off as crazy person. So one thing, I don't know if you guys got into this earlier with the uh, John Titer stuff, Mm -hmm. right? So after the corn, Okarin goes to the lab and he starts looking stuff up about John Titer. And I guess, you know, in this episode now, kind of it's a little bit of a Mandela effect thing where the original John Titer stuff doesn't exist. His books Mm. are gone. No one else remembers this person. But but Blix, I remember when we were discussing doing this series, you brought up John Titer and uh, mm-hmm. you sort of have experience with the, you know, the original stuff that maybe inspired the the John Titer in this show. Yeah, I used to be really, really super into like weird alien paranormal, I don't know, conspiracies, mm-hmm. campfire stories. Uh, there were some podcasts I really liked that would get into this stuff. And there are a few books about that phenomenon. Uh, in those circles, they pronounced it teeter. I, I don't know what the, yeah, okay. the right way is, but um, you know, I did do a quick search, and like there are archives online of these correspondences that have occurred, and um, it's fun. Uh, do I think he was a real time traveler? No, but uh, it, it's just like some interesting like internet history stuff to like mm-hmm. dig into. Um, and I guess it's fun for this anime because like. I just don't remember where the story's going with this, but like Ocarine has this thing, like this organization that's out to get him, right? Well, the John Teeter thing has CERN is the evil empire that mm-hmm. is oppressing the world into the future. And there's like the Council of 300 that make up the leadership of CERN. And mm. if you squint and turn your head the right way, like that kind of looks like the evil organization that is haunting our main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's the direction they're going just because I don't remember, but it's just a bit of fun trivia. So, something when I was looking up just sort of the Wikipedia for the quote unquote real life John Titer, which, which again might not be real. <laughs> yes. But that part of his story was he needed to go back in time to find this um, IBM 5100. 5100. Yeah. And then this story has this IBM 5100 mm-hmm. that this. Kiryu Moika characters looking for or interested in anyway at this point. So so yeah, it does seem like you know there was a a decent amount of inspiration drawn from that, which is I don't know that's kind of cool taking like a 
weird internet lore thing yeah and using it for your your sci-fi story yeah mm-hmm. like if you want to dig deep into the sci-fi of it like it is kind of fun like i guess i don't know if this is the reality of the the 5100 but it's uses a unix code and its particular code uh, a quirk of it is the ability to uh, decipher other computers operating systems their programming language uh and like that's the claim, you know, that mm. in the far-flung future, CERN's AI or whatever develops its own code that no one can crack, and they needed something that can translate. I actually don't remember all the nuts and bolts of it. It's fun, though. This is like the most fun anime we've done in a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so far, there's nothing like really dark and disturbing. Well, I mean, we had a, we had a murder already. True. Yeah, but... You know, it was like a soap opera murder. And she's not even <laughs> dead anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, in some timeline, she is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we met, somebody mentioned that Mandela effect thing. And I wonder if part of this, not even necessarily the direct storytelling, but just part of the atmosphere of this is that there's time travel or Mandela effects happening all the time. Because mm. when he starts looking up John Teeter, he's like, he's scrolling these message boards, he's finding dead links, and then he searches again, and it's like 12 results. Yeah. And he's flabbergasted. He's like, this was everywhere. What are you talking about 12 results? He goes to his bookshelf, and the books he had on it are gone. But then it split second goes back to the computer, and suddenly it says 56 results. Yes, I noticed that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if that was like something to actually read into, or if that was just more like a comment on the nature of consciousness that we are all experiencing it, you know, one kind of one second at a time. Our brain is constantly making sense of the temporal direction of things and that there's no way to be sure that things aren't changing constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't notice the 12 and 56, but I wonder if that's supposed to be like, this is just like the websites are starting to spring up around this. Like it's like right there mm-hmm. at that initial wave. Interesting. Well, this is another like little fun piece of like Mandela effect lore that I think that I thought was interesting. It's like there's this idea that if our timeline is changing or constantly being changing, how would you know? Because mm-hmm. any change would also change your social history. Mm-hmm. Unless like we are more than just our, you know, DNA and neuro algorithms, like mm. that there's something else going on. And maybe even if reality changes there's something residual like an impression that the berenstein bears or steen bears were spelled differently (laughs) (laughs) or what was it the luke i am your father like no i am your father Mm -hmm. yeah that's a big one (sighs) i don't really have an opinion on that though i just think it's fun what do you think ben um i think well, anyway, yeah, yeah, I think it's just brain stuff. <laughs> the thing I think is really interesting, though, is like we remember things the way that they make more sense. Yeah. Like it makes more sense if it is the Berenstein Bears. Like that's just like a better name for it, right? Or like that mm-hmm. line, like Luke, I'm your father. Like that's just a better line. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just funny. It seems like everyone's brains just like automatically like are like, it must be this way. I'm like kind of cut the same <laughs> corners or something mm. can, can that be yeah. our sign off brain stuff brain stuff <laughs> i like that 
Yeah, and it makes sense because like the the way our thoughts coalesce, I think to give them some sense of, you know, that, I don't know, importance is that we don't think about the individual data points. We think about the story. Mm. You know, we because the way we make sense of things is through kind of telling ourselves a story. Mm-hmm. Man, I hope I hope there's more stuff that harkens back to or that at least that we can relate back to Lane because you talked about like, well, maybe if there is a Mandela effect, the only re like, there's got to be a reason why some people would feel unaffected by it, why they would remember things differently. Um, and on the, you know, more supernatural side of that, there's like lane, there's the body of lane. And then there's the lane that everyone knows, but there is a higher lane, you know? And in this like idea, the same could be said of all of us, right? There's like the body we inhabit and there's the, our experience of each other. But there is a Blixa, you know, out mm-hmm. in the cosmos that is it's siphoned through this consciousness, but is unknowable otherwise. Mm. Yeah, so you all better watch out. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Cosmic Blixa is coming for you all. So what if uh, Mayuri is the, uh, the lane of this series? I mean, Ooh. I like that. I think she's a conduit. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly don't remember. But like, I just thought that'd be funny if there was this higher intelligence being that just plays at being a scientist's assistant. <laughs> and then we had one more scene that we didn't talk about, uh, and that's where they try the banana experiment again. <laughs> yes. Mayuri, they're still stealing her food. She wrote her name on these ones, and he's still like, well, we need something to put in the microwave, so it's fine to steal <laughs> one. And in this case, the banana not only gooifies but it travels backwards in time Mm -hmm. it travels back onto the bunch of bananas which is a fabulous visual effect if nothing else right yes yeah and and retains the memories that it has undergone right it doesn't just become the banana it was it it still has been nuked interesting which seems to be a, a similar phenomenon that okarine is going through See, yeah. See, the green pussy bananas. Like that's supposed to be what happens <laughs> when you put a banana in the microwave. No, yeah, I don't think that's what actually. I think they just blacken. I think they just turn black and light on fire. And, and also, like they said, it like I think they say specifically, like, oh, it's not warm or cool. It just like has turned into this weird form. Yeah, very strange. Uh, I don't have any thoughts on it. I do love the way they draw it. Like it does look like I would not want to touch that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes when Mayuri or Mayushi says like, oh, I did try one of them. It's even more disturbing to me. <laughs> yes, yes. Wet and floppy. Wet and floppy. <laughs> Ugh. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm thoroughly intrigued so far. I'm very glad that we've made the decision to cover this one. I can't, you know, I'm, I can't wait to, I think I'm just going to watch them week to week. I'm not going to watch ahead, but it is going to be hard not to, because Mm -hmm. again, there's just so many tantalizing puzzle pieces that you're like, please give me one more piece to connect it to. Yeah. Oh, I also found like this thing that Okarin keeps saying, Elsai Kangru. Uh, It's Latin, but well, it's not actually Latin. It's like a English version of Latin. Mm. Uh, The mind agrees. Mm. Mm. Uh, I don't know if that comes from an actual saying that has some other specific meaning, but that's as far as I got. Mm. But it already relates to our Mandela effect thing, right? Like 
whether there has been a temporal change or not, the mind agrees that there, you know, it's the story that's most important. <laughs> uh, I like that. Okay. Well, any any more thoughts on this episode or the series, uh, the the conceits of the series so far? I love the trans representation. Uh, I've seen too many anime where there's like a trans-like character and they're just a joke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or like just you're supposed to feel uncomfortable or awkward about them. But, you know, this character is so endearing and likable. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And an interesting like she has figured this out about herself pretty early in her life, which, mm. is, which is like, I don't know, really a positive spin on it to mm. me because I've encountered a lot of representation where it is someone who. Uh, had to wait a very long time in their life to be who they are. So mm-hmm. it's it's just kind of joyful to yeah. see someone so young figure out uh, themselves. Uh, ben, did you have any thoughts? You didn't get to uh, be here for the first one. Did you have anything um, you wanted to add? I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I do, you know, these two first two episodes, I think it does get off to a good start. I do think we're going to come up like maybe sort of the first third of the show then is a little bit of uh you know things will just sort of like stay stay even in terms of that is in terms of plot stuff i th- i think you know like this show is very strong in terms of having these very distinct characters and having like good dialogue and mm-hmm. um anyway if if people are a little bit on the fence i would just urge them to to stick with it and yeah i think then definitely like the the payoff is really good mm. Did you, did you guys talk about the alpaca man? No, no, no. please. What that was terrifying. <laughs> yeah. what, what is it? Uh, I don't know. It's like seems to be. It's like this video game that they just have on that he's like narrating to, as if this video game character can like hear him. Yeah, but uh, I don't know if we ever get any more explanation or if it even like like I think you know. There's a couple visual callbacks to it, maybe, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh okay it's an interactive game is it a real game no no but oh. i guess maybe it's more fleshed out in the visual novel mm. okay. like it's an interactive game that you can talk to and it gives you like a chat bot i guess oh, oh okay an early chat bot that's interesting it's just that like universal cryptid horror of like something with a human face yes yeah yes. There's a lot of alpaca man stuff on the internet that is disturbing. The fan art is not attractive. Okay. Uh, Oh God. Oh no. I got to shut the window. (laughs) That's, that's a box of cosmic horror. You (laughs) Okay. Make sure your mom's not in the room. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I think this might be the, uh, I think this is the first anime we've done for the show. Definitely. That's based on a visual novel. I'm trying to think of if I know any other, anime or games that are based you know so i guess lane was sort of like a weird experimental game first i don't know if it would exactly count as a visual novel Mm. but you know then they made the anime kind of concurrently with the game Mm. so that's probably the the closest out of stuff we've covered but i don't know I, i do think it's interesting that there's this whole sort of like genre of product that's like you know between an anime a comic book and a game Mm -hmm. that exists in japan and just has never really 
become a thing in the U.S. Has there ever been an anime based on a dating sim? It's funny. That's what I thought this was. Like, I thought the original was a dating sim based on what I remembered of the anime, but it's not quite that. Mm. I wonder if there's an anime for like hot to full boyfriend. That would be incredible. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it is a pretty unique direction for it to go from visual novel to anime. Uh, we discussed a little bit, Ben, that the only American or U.S. equivalent would be Telltale Games, mm-hmm. which they they only do things that are that are already established IPs, but they are like side stories of kind of a choose your own adventure mm-hmm. uh, visual kind of thing. And those tend to be more like cinematic. Whereas this tends to be more of like characters appear on screen, give you dialogue and then disappear. What's an example of a telltale game? There's like the Batman telltale series. There's uh, Borderlands. The video game did a telltale series. Yeah, I know there's a um, a Game of Thrones one that tells this yes, side does. story. Yes. Mm. So I don't know if the, is that the company is Telltale Games or is that the type of game? It might it might actually be the company. Yeah, it looks like they buy IP and they have a couple games that they created themselves. Uh, oh, okay. So they have some original IP. They too. have some one of the one that I recognize is The Wolf Among Us, which is kind of a it is stylized as like a comic book. Um, hmm. but you, Ooh. you play as a, a uh, werewolf. Interesting. Well, that sounds fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, we always love checking in with you, Hayden. We're going to try to get you on as often as we can. Uh, is there anything that you'd recommend? Anything you're enjoying right now or anything that this reminds you of? Ooh, that is a good question. Uh, I mean, this definitely... We've mentioned a couple times, but definitely reminds me of Doctor Who. Mm. Um, and I would always recommend that. Mm. Uh, it is very, very fun uh, with its own incredibly dense lore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can be a fun ride or an overwhelming ride. Um, <laughs> but it is very enjoyable, particularly with the relationships between the main character and companions and the people that are brought along for the journey. Uh, there's a trans mm-hmm. uh, companion coming up pretty soon. Isn't there? Really? Oh, wow. I know they had their first female doctor, but there's going to be a, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know we mentioned David Tennant. I think that's like seasons two through four, maybe for, for the show itself. Yes. Okay, great. Well, this has been awesome. I'm really excited to be back, to be doing this, to be to the, the selection we've made. Um, do we just want to do a sign off? Sure. Okay, cool. Well, we know all. We all know this drill. So, uh, Blixa, t- take us away. Pen, pen, pals, brain, brain stuff. stuff. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs>